Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 126. Have some respect in this game. We are broadcasting live. Well, live for us from the worldwide shedquarters of the Gospel Underground. I'm here with my main man, fruit of my loins, my son, Tommy Thomas, Tom, Tom, Tommy Reed Monahan. What's up, Tom? What's up, Dad? How's it going? Tommy and I have this tradition. Actually, we don't. I have this tradition that Tommy doesn't like where I see Tom on the soccer field or something like that, and I just yell, what's up, Tom? And he rolls his eyes. That, I guess that's your part of the tradition is being annoyed by when I do things annoying. <laughs> yes. Tommy just finished uh, his uh, freshman soccer season uh, where the Blacksburg Bruins, he was the only freshman that made varsity this year, which was cool. And they won their district championship and were regional semifinalists. Right, Tom? And he's got a painful face because they want, right, we want more. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Tommy, um, do you do you like movies? Uh, that's the first question I have for you. I'm a big movie guy, Dad. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah, we, we actually call Tom in our house um, a film guy because typically he knows who all the actors are. Uh, he knows who wrote the score of movies. He's doing research on things. And so today, because we're going to respect the game, we have a, a special... Review. Reviewer session with me and my man Tom. Tommy, I think um, I think the first time you were on here years ago, we did and, and that was on Lego Ninjago. It's not a So so Lego Ninjago or no, that was the Lego Ninjago the movie. The movie, yes, that's right. Because you were a youngster Ninjago fan, and still am, and still still are. And there was a movie, so you you came on and gave us a good take on that. But today, Tommy, we brought you on for a very special. Tommy did not want me to play this little musical riff because I'm reliving my childhood. I'm involving him in my childhood. He's now living a new childhood because Tom, we just saw Top Gun. Now this is this is a time for all of you guys. If this is spoilers, the whole world did see Top Gun Maverick over Memorial Day. It seems biggest movie box office of all time. Tom Cruise, uh, less Tom Cruise crazy these days. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, the original Top Gun. Tommy, you are well aware, was like a 1986, I believe, a film, uh, the Touch to Generation, and uh, now Top Gun Maverick came out. And you know, Tom, to be honest, let me be honest for a second. I know you didn't want me to play the Danger Zone because it's so 80s for you, uh, but we went into it, right? We went into the Danger Zone, uh, but um, I was surprised by this movie. I was expected to be offended that they messed up and. Why would they make a sequel? But the early buzz was so good, I started to get optimistic and going into watching sports or watching movies that you want to be good. Um, I usually don't try to be optimistic. I try to be a doom, like, oh, no, we're going to be terrible. This movie's going to be terrible. Um, but, Tom, movie's pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, It was really good, actually. Um, I have seen the first Top Gun about twice, and, you know, I think it's – good but it's it's not my favorite movie i know it's i I don't like i thought it was good but it wasn't like all that for me um so coming into the second i was like well uh, 
it's not high on my movie want to watch list, but I'll go see it because it's free movie. Why not? So. That's right. We went as a family, yeah, family movie, family movie. Yeah, it was significant. Shout out to Jared Coca and Brent Porter, whose Top Gun is their greatest movie of all time. I think they watched it like four hundred times or something. Uh, he's probably Jared. Are you mad that you're not on here talking about Top Gun with us? Maybe maybe we'll have you on someday to do that. But I want to be here with my film guy, uh, Tom Tom Tommy Reed. So to talk about this movie, it's kind of interesting uh, because you watched it seated right next to me. And some of you may or may not know that my father, right, was in the United States Navy and uh, 20 years uh, retired. uh, So but my house was literally, literally across the street from uh, Naval Air Station uh, Oceana, which is one of the largest jet bases in the world. Uh, where uh, the F-14 Tomcat squadrons, you know, they don't live on the aircraft carriers all the time. They have, you know, a base and stuff, and they fly in. And so I grew up hearing afterburner tests and seeing, you know, F-14s fly overhead. And our neighborhood, you know, you don't want to live there. There's airplanes over all the time. But we loved it as little kids, Tom. So you got to sit next to me, um, and you were laughing at me. Uh, why, why, <laughs> why were you laughing at me? Yeah, well, if you have seen the movie, you know the opening scene is very reminiscent to the original and my dad was like oh this is awesome the landing and everything and he was like well they might as well play danger on and they played it and then my dad went oh my god i was like oh boy boy, it's gonna be a long movie i have a tendency to talk too much in films and i'm one of those people who who wants to watch the movie first just normally without chatter yeah and dad's i'm the movie chatter guy you're very tolerant of me tom and i tried to be on my best behavior because you agreed to sit next to me which was really great but yeah the the continuity with the canon, the opening scenes, you hear this kind of heavy bell music, and literally they did a because my friend Jared uh, shared this with me. They did the shot for shot uh, of the of the original, except with updated avionics technology and F 18s rather than the F fourteen Tomcat. And uh, yeah, it was just so perfect. I was like, this is the best. I was like, they might as well play it. They did, and then I was like, being a goober. So man, but hey, what what did you think, man? About like okay, so Tom Cruise comes up before the movie starts, right? Um, and he actually looks like a, an old man a little bit, which is like for, you know, other guys who are old men like me, I'm like, wow, Tom Cruise looks old. That's encouraging. And then, of course, the movie starts and he looks like he's 30 or something. But um, what do you think about that? He said, hey, we worked really hard on the stunts and visuals on this. And, you know, Tom Cruise, you know, he, uh, legendary, right? No, no lies, right? He does his own stunts, man. So, so was this CGI stuff when they're in airplanes and flying around like computer generated stuff or what was going on? Well, I know, uh, I can't say for certain, but I know most of it, they had, they were in actual fighter planes in the cockpit with IMAX cameras with them and actual, f- uh, pilots behind them piloting the planes for the actors, yeah, for the actors to act against. But I think there was actual, like, there was real G-Force, and their faces were going yeah. under real circumstances. Which is, yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild that they, they had these actors in F-18, you know, uh, fighter jets and pulling Gs, you know, because, uh, man, um, it, you don't like roller coasters, right? No, no, I ain't. No, so you wouldn't be, like, flying in no airplane pulling Gs? Because it's like my dad used to always say that. He was a curmudgeon when I was growing up, and when, you know, my mom wanted to take us to Bush Gardens in, in Williamsburg to ride roller Coasters, my dad was like, If I wanted to pull G's, I would have been an airplane pilot. <laughs> you know, Tommy's laughing because he's been around you know, Grandpa Charlie. Um, so, yeah, stunts and visuals amazing, man. And for me, that was really great. And, and Kyleen, um, uh, my daughter, Tommy's sister, mentioned that the, the actual 
flight sequences continue to get really more elaborate as the film goes on. So spoiler alert, it, it don't go to sleep on the ending, man. It gets crazy in, in the actual stunt pipe flying. The canon, man, they dis, it, it was like one big movie, which is shocking because it was 36 years after the fact and, um, you know, uh, pretty wild how consistent. I was worried if they tried to be too, you know, like Star Wars movies trying to, pull in too many things it might go to being cheesy um but did you i don't know it was a little cheesy what tell me what do you think any cheesiness in this film uh i mean yeah it's every top gun movie is always like the first one was very much um but this one was yeah it still has him going Mach 10 and uh saving the whole (laughs) staff of his military base and crashing and ending up just at a random diner. Yeah, no, he's going Mach 10. He's going Mach 10, 10x the speed of sound, and he ejects and lives to tell about it. His body would have been disintegrated, yeah. I think. But. And, and uh, especially when he comes back after he's been, like, disavowed, essentially, and comes back and does it in, t- like, two minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, he flies like, this gauntlet of the mission yeah. and, like, you know, like a boss. It's cheesy, yeah. but you like it because yeah, yeah, it's Top it's Gun. Good. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's Top Gun. Um, even, but there were some scenes where I, I began rolling my eyes, right, going, oh, goodness. Like, uh, there's a piano scene, right, where Goose's son is going to play, goodness gracious, great great balls of fire. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so cheesy. They're going to have his kid doing the, you know, at the bar playing and everything. But they turned it into a different scene where it was not cheesy at all it was like this profound emotional moment that wasn't about the piano it was about what was going on in people and which was uh i was like wow they could have really made that really dumb and and also when he was going you know there was the penny his you know the the penny is the girlfriend in this movie and it was mentioned twice in top gun because as maverick making a pass at the admiral's daughter uh penny and they they were going to have this you know like oh they're going to go home and make out scene and and i think you even said it in the movie I, like if they play that take my breath away song i'm gonna puke or something yeah, that's my least favorite part of the first one. <laughs> yeah of course we just skip we it in the first it, one yeah. but i was like they're not gonna recreate that i was about to roll my eyes and 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 they didn't it was like yeah. really not it was really different so I didn't think the cheese was too much. Now, there was a huge addition culturally, right, where uh, in 1993, the original Top Gun, uh, late, mid to late 80s, uh, there were no female uh, fighter jet pilots um, in 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 the Navy at the time. So, of course, there wasn't in the original Top Gun. But then in 1993, they started allowing uh, female fighter pilots. And obviously, you know, women in combat, these kind of discussions like, you do, do we want you know, Kayla going off to to fight in Iraq or something or getting drafted. These are discussions, obviously, that are beyond this reviewist section. Um, But it it was interesting. I thought uh, the character Monica Barbaro played called Phoenix. Um, I really, really liked her character. Tom, what did you think about uh, how they handled that? Yeah, I thought she was really well done. Um, When people in movies usually try and integrate, like, a female into an all-male cast, you can tell it's done on purpose to, like, make a statement or something. Grind on it or something, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, like, women can do everything man can, and that's a different story um, for a different topic. But they, right. they made her seem just like another pilot instead of, like, the ultra-feminist outlier that was just like, women are better. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It was really... Um, and, and, and I thought, you know, there's a movie called G.I. Jane, if you haven't seen it, don't see it, Tom, um, where it's just like... 
the point of it is just grinding against things. And what you saw with uh, Phoenix was a, a, a wonderfully excellent fighter pilot who was part of the squadron. Yeah, you know, little jokes here and there about being being a woman or whatever, but it was well, well done. And apparently this character was derived from actual Navy uh, fighter pilots who are females, which I thought was really encouraging. Because like, and I'm sure those actual fighter pilots who are excellent at their craft. I mean, look, we're, we're talking about people who do something that's extremely difficult to do and, and entrusted with these you know, billions of dollar weapon systems and everything. Um, I imagine those actual women who are in the U.S. Navy flying and on carriers and stuff were really proud of this character uh, that Monica Barber, I thought her performance was really, really, really good as well. And so, well, Tom, we have to talk about this. Um, there was a, a Star Wars New Hope uh, Death Star uh, Marvel team-up link-up in this movie. At least there was seemingly. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, everyone's seen the original Star Wars by now, and they have this scene called the Trench Run, which is very famous now, where he drops two proton torpedoes down the reactor shaft. and they The exhaust vent has to go in the exhaust vent. They blow up the Death Star. And so Top Gun has them twice hit a exact tiny spot in the middle of a very heavily fortified place. Which is also an exhaust vent. Yeah, which is also an exhaust vent. And they just, it's kind of like Star Wars, just without X-Wings and TIE Fighters. And he didn't use the Force explicitly, but... But they forgot the targeting system on the scene. Yeah, the targeting system doesn't work, and so it's it's so Luke Skywalker. And I, uh, during the movie, I was also they were like, "Don't pull up, don't pull up," and I was like, "Stay on target, stay yeah. on target." For, Use the force, Luke. <laughs> Use the force, Rooster. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, they they blow up the Death Star. And yeah, very, very, uh, the emotional layers, I think, in the movie were tremendous. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't tell you this, Tom, but I really, really enjoyed what I called heterosexual man to man love in this movie. Um, the strength, the integrity, the heart, the emotion between, uh, men. Uh, in this particular case, some of the main characters was really compelling. In fact, I kept uh, wanting to hug you throughout the end of the movie. And you cried at the end. I cried at the end because, well, I love I love you, man. I love my son. Uh, there's all kind of dad-son stuff in it. And, um, you know, at least get my little I, – I do this little thing on the back of Tommy's neck with my hand that when I want to tell him that I really care about him <laughs> or make a joke because now it's a little bit funny. But this is really, really good in this movie where uh, the characters, are nuanced in the sense that there's no uh, just pure saints or sinners. They're they're layered people who are struggling with real life and difficulty, tragedy, uh, trauma, difficulty. Um, but there's men of all kinds too, like arrogant, cocky guys. Some that are doubting their self confidence. Uh, others that are being affirmed by father figures, and so. Uh, I just felt that was super powerful. Even like, what, what was the character's name that was kind of like the cocky? He, he was almost like hangman. a hang, hangman, hangman. Yeah, hangman. He was like, for me, I don't know. I thought he was a combination almost of of young Maverick and young Iceman, like both almost. Where super arrogant, cocky, but very, very technically good. Yeah, and yeah, and, uh, yeah he kind of had to be. But you know, you need those types too because in the end, he he kind of comes good in in his own way, and yeah. so saves the day. Yeah, <laughs> saves the day, and calls himself there savior which you know obviously has implications for for him saying that but i don't know how you felt about the kind of the there in our culture there's either you know toxic masculinity that objectifies women and violence and things or there's this kind of 
I don't know what you want to call it. Weeks all stuff that like doesn't doesn't it kind of rejects certain things today in character traits. And I felt like there was a good balance uh, in these characters. Yeah, I just I really enjoyed um seeing uh, especially a uh, Maverick's character because in the first one he's you know he's cocky, he's confident, and then he goes to rock bottom and comes back up, and he still ha- kind of has that confidence about him, but you can tell there's a heavy toll on him through yeah. the whole movie and. The way it comes full circle at the end, the way he reconciles with uh, Rooster is really—it's a really good ending. Yeah, yeah, really good. And and in many ways, um, you know, you can't tell in the movie at the beginning has Maverick really grown up at all, and uh, his relationship with Ice, his relation I mean, when he's talking about his relationship with Goose's mom or Goose's wife, yeah. Rooster's mom, you're like, wow. He has actually matured some, some, not all, all the way. So going to be maverick, but um, yeah, I thought that was good. And, and I think in a man's journey, right, there is a kind of, and you're, and you're in this now. I mean, I watch and you're in the locker room with high school guys, your, your confidence and your swagger is going up and I like it. You know, I was joking with the other day. I was like, I can still whip you, Tom. Um, There's this thing where you kind of go through, you need to, you need to go through this strengthening. You need to go through this, Hey, figuring out my, my feet in the world. Uh, and then you become a man as you go through that. And uh, I, I just was glad there was a film in 2022 that kind of like, ah, did that. And and at the same time, not at the expense of, you know, women or females where I felt like uh, there was a complementary nature there with the pilot squadron and Phoenix and everyone that was really good. And they even had a character named, uh, what was that guy's name? Bob. <laughs> baby on board who was kind of like the the nerdy guy right the stereotypical white guy with glasses yeah yeah he was the nerdy guy who was doing like charts and graphs or something but yeah he, he was great too it was yeah, uh he was great. it was good and they didn't kill coyote i thought they'd kill kill coyote i was like man don't kill the brothers what's going on and then they didn't kill him so that was good spoilers uh that kind of reminded me of the first one when uh guy at the beginning Kind of gets psyched out and almost falls. I can't remember. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the one that uh, Cougar is it Cougar? Cougar, Cougar. Yeah, Cougar. Yeah, yeah he loses almost that. loses his mojo or something. Yeah, yeah. So Top Gun, guys, if you haven't seen it, we just ruined it for you. But we would love for you to see it. I'll probably see it again. We might go to the Danger Zone on. Uh, we couldn't get tickets that Kylene could come with us to the big screen. Uh, what do they call it? IMAX here. It's something else. Another brand. The massive screen. Yeah. Um, but I, I, we might have to hit that up again. I don't know if you want to do, if you want to uh, step into it, Tom, with with me uh, on the IMAX. But you know, if not, Tommy, thank you so much, man, for uh, <laughs> flying with me into the danger zone. Roll, I know, roll your eyes at me. I'm your old man. Thank you, brother. I love you. Proud of you. And uh, your film takes, particularly about wonderful movies like Dune and the score of Dune. Um, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, masterpiece. We'll have to do Dune together, uh, maybe when Dune 2 is coming out. Uh, in three years. Uh, in th- yeah, it's going to be a long time. But thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, your film takes are the best. Tom's a big Tenet fan. Is that the right name? Yeah, yeah. Tenet fan. Tenet. Uh, yes. Christopher Nolan movies. Um, he, he could tell you all about it. So hey, thank you for joining us, yeah. Tom. And, uh, and now you might depart. Okay. See you, Dad. Love <laughs> yeah. you. Love you too, buddy. All right. Well, hey, this uh, episode was called Put Some Respect uh, in the Game because 
we were going to put some respect on that Top Gun game. But also, I wanted to clarify something from our last episode. We only have a few minutes left on this episode, guys. Don't worry, this is a short one. But I, I did an episode last time about my plans, you know, where we're going to take things on the podcast. And and I got feedback. I actually got some con- direct contact from a few people who were asking me what I meant. So I, I if, you, if you remember, if you listen to that episode, here's where our podcast is going. Uh, starting, hopefully, Lord willing, next week. Uh, we're going to do a series called What Sacred Games, looking at uh, what a post-Christendom uh, culture without trying to live without God, what are the things we create, sacred games to entertain ourselves, festivals of atonement to make and justify ourselves, right? Uh, we're going to look at our own culture and see the kind of games we're playing now uh, to try to fill the massive void that was intended to be uh, God and the worship of God and the life of human beings created in his image. And then the next two series I'm super excited about, probably starting in the fall, uh, I called Winsomeness in a Warring Culture uh, and Witness in a Warring Culture. And so I, I, I got uh, alerted that there's these massive Twitter beefs, Twitter wars going on about the word winsomeness. And I had some friends wanting to know uh, my opinion on this Twitter beef and where I stand with the world word winsomeness. Do I think it's a good thing in culture or a bad thing? Um, first of all, I just want to say keep me keep me out of your Twitter wars, man. I'm not I'm I'm not. This is the Gospel Underground, not the uh, Christian Twitter beef overground. And so I don't want to have any part of that. So I get to say what I mean by winsome. But anyway. In light of that, to to avoid uh, the, these things that I'm trying to not be a part of, quite frankly, um, we're rebranding the names of our series. I'm serious. We're going to do sacred games. What sacred games? Then we're going to do respectful, which is a big biblical word, respectful, engagement in a raging world. See what I did like that? I could do this all day. And then respectful witness uh, in a raging world. And here's why. What we're trying to do on the podcast, what we're after, right? This is a conversation, a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, church and the world, you might even say, uh, where we're part of a certain cultural world, but at the same time called to be distinct by Jesus, set apart by the Word of God, the gospel, the the sacraments of communion and baptism, entering into the family of faith, every Christian should be baptized, and then continuing to affirm the faithfulness of God to his people in communion, that we are distinct but yet part of a world in this place called the Borderlands, See episode back in the in the history of this podcast about what happens there. If there are people, there are, are ideas in the borderlands, and we care deeply about how we engage in those worlds. So if you want to use the word winsome, respectful, whatever, uh, you can define your terms with me. I'm not going to judge you either way by the use of a word. I might ask you, what do you mean by using that word? And so here's what I mean about respectfulness in the borderlands between the church and culture. I want me and my house, my family, um, if, if I have any sway on anyone else, any impact and influence on anyone else, I want to encourage strength and courage in our biblical Christ-centered convictions. In other words, we have a faith that's been once for all entrusted to the people of God uh, and that we are to hold fast to the Word of God as we hold forth the Scriptures, the truth of the Gospel, in our world, whatever cultural world that is, whether that's uh, today in in Asia or 
uh, or in Central Asia and Russian Ukraine, whether that's in uh, South America, wherever it might, Europe today, and you're, you're a Christian remnant in Europe, wherever that might be for you, strength, right? You need to have strength. You need to have a backbone. This cultural moment will try to get you to submit to the winds and passions of the spirit of the age, and we must simply look at that and say, no, strength, courage. There's consequences for following Jesus. There always has been. Some of you who maybe grew up in a highly Christian uh, world maybe aren't used to uh, being looked down upon for following Jesus. I tell you what, when I converted uh, <laughs> my college wrestling team, people had questions. People would say, you're not fun anymore. Are you going to become this or that now? Uh, people in my own family mocked me, derided me uh, for being religious now or whatever. Uh, you have to have courage or you will capitulate to the pressure of this cultural world. And so that's one one of the things I mean by respectful is strength and courage in our biblical convictions. Here we stand and can do no other. Secondly, is these two words that, that are in the apologetics passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, that in your heart set apart Christ the Lord or have Christ the Lord as holy conviction, right? Strength and courage in that. Uh, and always be prepared to give a reason or give a defense, to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And the final part is to do so with gentleness and and respect. So these two words, right, is is dealing with our posture around other people in the world uh, should be gener- and our our place as we see ourselves before God, gentleness and respect. The word respect there is phobos, right? It's like f- the fear of the Lord kind of thing or a respectfulness. Um, we know it's not saying being afraid of people, right? Because it says have no fear of them in in First Peter. Uh, but gentleness and respect is our posture before God and man and woman and everything uh, that's in our world today. We must see this be our place. We are servants for the sake of Christ. This is literally in the New Testament, and we have to see ourselves like that. We're not arrogant. We're not one to bootstomp the world. I'm not saying you can't go fight for your conviction, strength, and courage. Do so. But the way we do that is not carnal, it's not worldly, it's not with the weapons of the world. It has to be with gentleness and respect to God, to God and people uh, as we see ourselves as servants for the sake of Christ. And so I'm, I'm going to hit hard on both those fronts, guys. I'm not backing off of the Bible. I'm not backing off on Jesus Christ, crucified Savior of the world for sinners like me, risen from the dead. Not backing off one bit on any of that, but... Uh, we are called like Jesus to love and to serve the least of these, the lost among us, so that people might see the Savior King who's died for people's sin, risen from the dead, and is bringing a people to himself in this world until kingdom come. Thank you for joining us here on the Underground Gospel Underground Podcast. We do with the Bonhoeffer House and Jesse Fury. Review us on iTunes, five stars, six stars if you could, but go for five. Comments, feedback, you can send them. We know you do. To info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in these borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Respect the game. Peep the game. Let's do this, friends. Peace.